Basically, the main thing is that you just have to be putting yourself out there 100% of the time and every single avenue. And the more you do that, the easier it is to get press. It's just, it's just that simple. You know what I mean? So for using you again as an example, it's just like you promote yourself on every avenue. And even when you're not promoting yourself, you're still promoting yourself because you're always consistently talking, right? Welcome to the Being in a Band podcast. I'm your host, Monica Strutt, and I'll be your new band bestie as we deep dive into all things music marketing, PR and strategy, as well as the mindset it takes to succeed in today's modern music industry. I know the highs and lows of being a musician, and I've seen far too many of my talented peers give up on their dreams far too early in their careers. After working for years, both as a musician and professional digital marketer specializing in the music industry, I now help emerging bands break through the glass ceiling and reach the next level in their careers. Let's do this. Hey guys, and welcome back to the podcast. It is Saturday today, and as of today, I have recorded three podcast episodes this week, which you would have already listened to if you have been keeping up to date with the Being in the Band podcast. And if you haven't, then that probably means that you have been very naughty and you haven't subscribed. So please subscribe right now. That sounds like so sus. Anyway, I have had the pleasure of speaking to a lot of really, really amazing guests, and today is no exception. I'm speaking to Curtis Dua, who is the owner of Dua PR. He also is the co-host of the Dumb and Dumbest podcast, which I have been lucky enough to feature on not once, but twice. It is another music industry career podcast, so I really highly recommend that you head on over after you listen to this episode and subscribe to that as well. It's co-hosted with Matt Bacon, who is another music industry professional and they are both so much fun to listen to you kind of feel like you're in the room with them it's one of those sort of conversational podcasts but they are really 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 knowledgeable about the stuff that they talk about and they also have really amazing guests from within the music industry so I highly recommend but today with Curtis the topic is all about PR which is obviously fitting since he has his own PR company We talk all about things such as how much PR costs, how to know when you're ready to do PR, how to get the most out of a PR campaign, what not to do, how to really leverage social media in terms of networking and just getting the most bang for your buck in terms of PR. And actually, we talked for about an hour and a half, so I've broken this episode into two different parts. So you're currently listening to part one. Anyway, I really, really, really hope that this episode is helpful. Scrap that. I know you're going to get so much out of this episode. So if you've got a notebook handy, I strongly encourage that you get it out. Before we dive in, this episode is brought to you by my brand new PR course, PR Made Simple. It's essentially a course that teaches local bands how to DIY your own PR campaign to really raise your profile in terms of your positioning in the music industry, start getting reviews, radio play, get on those Spotify playlists, and yeah, just generally get some really cool media traction. So if you're interested, I'll leave it linked below. You can also head to monicastrat.com and go to courses. Here's the interview. What's up, guys, and welcome back to Being in a Band. I have my amazing friend and PR legend, Curtis Dewar, on the line. Curtis, how are you going? I'm doing good. I'm glad that you can understand my Australianness. I, I always can. I, I've known a few no, few Australians over here in my time, so it's all good. Yeah, cool. Well, for the peeps listening, let us know um, a bit about yourself. Tell us who you are and what you do. The short version I'll give you. How about that? Sure. 
Okay, so basically I run Doer PR, which is a metal slash hard rock PR uh, company. I'm based in Cambridge, Ontario, Canada. Um, I handle international clients, so I've handled uh, major labels, or not major labels, but uh, fairly well-known labels like um, Prophecy Productions, Ripple Music. Uh, I've worked with Black Bow Records, The Sign Records, um, who else? Like Exhorter, tons of people. Um, been doing this since about 2012, 2013. Um, so I got a teeny bit experience doing PR, a little tiny bit. <laughs> um, and basically what I do is I help you get press. Um, if you're in a metal band or a hard rock band, um, I've even worked with a few punk bands in my time, but mainly it's hard rock metal. Um, and yeah, I specialize in getting press. So that's reviews, interviews, guest columns, news items, the whole nine yards. But um, yeah, that's the short version of me. Yeah, sure. So in your own words, why do you think getting press, especially when you're sort of an emerging band, is so important? Well, because no, no one knows who you are. You can't sell anything. You can't sell tickets. You can't sell CDs. You can't get downloads. You can't really do anything. Because the thing is, is like a lot of people have the idea that it's like the field of dreams. If you build it, they will come, right? Mm-hmm. But you can have the most amazing art and the most amazing product in the world and no one is going to listen to it or buy it unless you market and promote it. So if you kind of like are going in there with the mindset of like, okay, I, all I got to do is make the best art. That's not the case. So you need someone like me or you need someone else that can kind of help you promote it. Cause most artists as a general rule are not, into the promotion side they're more into the creative side of things so the person that helps you with your pr or marketing is the person who is creative in that aspect and trying to create interest in the band yeah absolutely and um i think as well pr not only does it help on that exposure sort of aspect but it also helps in my opinion in the credibility aspect of a band Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i feel like once a band crosses over from just being that local band at the pub to suddenly getting in magazines or on blogs and on radio and whatnot it really changes the perception and kind of i guess makes you appear like you're generating hype would you happen to agree with that 100%. 100%. Well, okay, here, here, here's the thing. So I have, I have my own podcast. This is just from a non-musical perspective, obviously. Um, so I have my own podcast. Um, I do my own videos. I get interviewed on various different things. I automatically am looked upon as being more of an authority than Joe Blow PR that no one has heard of. You know what I mean? Yeah. So even though, you know, I don't necessarily, I've, I've never handled like relapse records or century media, although I have handled bands that have been on those, those labels, just as an aside, um, you know, I look like an authority because of the fact that I'm doing that. And yes, I, I do have the credibility to match it up, but just because of the, the, the pedestal of having those things and being interviewed by other people automatically makes me look more legit. And it's the same thing with you. Yeah. Right? So, so like if you're in a band, you're getting those interviews and getting that little bit of press again it makes it look like you're more important than you necessarily are and that perception as a result will get more people to be be more interested in you as a result that just kind of snowballs the more press that you get right yeah I feel like the idea of perception isn't really something that's talked about a lot it's I think a lot of people are 
doing it behind the scenes and managing their perception. But I don't think there's a lot of conversation necessarily about, yeah, your overall perception and how important that is, how to make yourselves look bigger than you actually are. And I'd love for you to kind of speak a bit more on that because, yeah, I like it's obviously you can do PR (laughs) to kind of like make you seem like a band that's doing some amazing things. And it's not about lying to people, obviously. It's just about, I guess, self-promotion. And to be honest, like if if you're a band that looks like you're generating hype, then you're just simply going to get more opportunities. That's just the way it is. Are there any other things that bands can do in order to kind of change their, not change their perception, but I guess, yeah, just sort of highlight like that well, they're hype. Well, here, here, here's the main thing. Hopefully, hopefully I'm, I'm tracking in the right direction here. If the more like, for example, that you're on social media and the more that you are connecting with other people in the industry or in other bands, the more important you appear to other people. Because here, here's the thing that a lot of people don't even think about is that the vast majority of people out there are consumers. They're not producers right? They like to consume things, right? So if you got the vast majority of the planet are acting as consumers and they keep seeing you in all these different spots and they keep seeing you talking to all these different people, their perception of you changes. So like if I'm talking to you and and let's say like your group looks at you in a high regard, right? So if they see me talking to you, their perception of me is going to change because the fact like, okay, uh, Monica's talking to him. He He must be someone that's a little bit more important than I thought or reversely if I'm doing the same thing with you for my audience. Right. Mm. So, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, I mean, if I see someone, for example, uh, a good example is like, if I see someone talk, like, like if I, if I see a band talking to someone like uh, Vince Nielstein from metal sucks on Twitter and they're talking to him regularly, I would start to think that maybe they were a little bit more important than I initially thought because the editor-in-chief at Metal Sucks is talking to them frequently, right? Yeah. So it, I mean, it it sounds kind of silly and kind of stupid, but it is kind of like that perception of of being connected to people that are quote-unquote important or well-known definitely changes the perception. Is that what yeah. you were looking for or were you wanting me to explain a little bit more? No, no, I think, um, yeah, that makes complete sense. I really want to go into um, Twitter and networking in a second. But my last question just about PR is I think um, I get asked a lot, how do you know when you're ready to do PR? And I would love your perspective on that. Well, there's, well, basically anytime you're trying to monetize, I think would be a good time. Um, But here's all the time. (laughs) Well, yeah, well, here's the thing. Some bands aren't interested in monetizing. So if you're not interested in monetizing, there's really no, point in throwing down the cash um number well other than that though is so bands that are doing it as a hobby need not do pr they could still because i mean here's the thing i've also had lots of bands uh come to me and who've done quite well with pr who are hobbies but i Mm. mean they just want the recognition yeah right like there's tons of bands like i work with a band called uh all father who i don't think are planning on quitting their day jobs anytime soon I, i just don't think they are maybe they are but you know, but they're a fantastic band and they do really, really well. They, they sold out their pre-orders when they, when they did it. And, uh, we, we got them tons of press. And, but I, I don't think that they're looking to go beyond like to a national tour or do anything like that. I mean, they, obviously they try to play shows and stuff like that, but I don't think they're trying to like, you know, 
quit their day jobs and be on relapse or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. But, you know, but they're good enough that they can still get press and they wanted to get press and they wanted to get that recognition and they wanted to sell albums. Like they're totally into selling. They want to sell their merch. They want to sell their albums, right? So I think for them, like a band like that, I think it makes sense. But at the same time, like if if you're not trying to uh, sell merch and you're not trying to do anything like that, it might not make sense to do it unless you just got money to burn and you feel like paying the 500 to a couple thousand dollars a month for PR. Right. Uh, but, yeah. here, but, but here's the, th- I mean, some people just have the disposable income and they want to do it. Right. Um, but, but here's the thing is that number one, you have to make sure that your music is of high enough quality uh, that a PR is even going to be interested in you. Because here's the thing is that a lot of PRs will just take anybody. They don't care. Like there's a few metal PRs whose name names I'm not going to say who've charged like, you know, 50 to a hundred dollars total for like three months. What? Who will just, yeah. Who will just take basically anybody. Right. Across. Like, I'm not even joking. Like you could probably do ha- a hand fart album and they probably take it. Right. <laughs> no one do that, please. For the love of God. Well, <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I mean, they exist, right? So they'll they'll do it, right? And they'll just send the send the music out to their list, and hope someone bites, right? Like, you know. But I mean, the thing is, is if you actually want a legitimate PR, you have to make sure that your music is of sufficient quality that a place like Decibel or Heavy or Metal Hammer might actually be interested in your music. So, how do you know, it, like? <laughs> What is what are some ways? Because it's so hard to be objective when you're so close to the music. Do you have any suggestions on how people can go about assessing whether their music is good quality, or would they just kind of, I guess, send it to someone like you, and you would be like, "Nah, mate." <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I would ask around. I mean, I'm not a musician at all, so I mean, basically, like if you go to someone like me, I'm just a fan yeah. who somehow can sell it somehow I don't know how but I'm able to do it so if you sent it to me and I said um usually I don't go out and say your music sucks I I generally try not to say something like that and I probably wouldn't say say your music sucks to someone (laughs) but what I would probably like if I say something like I don't think it's right for me that either means one of two things I don't like the music Mm. or I generally do, do not think you're a good fit for me because you're not heavy enough or you don't fit the correct style that I think um you know, my, the publications I'm I'm familiar with would like, right? So what I would do is I would go and ask some various different people um, who'd listen to music and just say to them, like, hey, look, what do you think? Do you think this is going to be, do you think this is any good or do you think it's bad or what do you think? So that would be my suggestion. Yeah. And then other than that, other musicians that you other musicians that you trust, like probably if you're friends with a band who's kind of doing some bigger things right now. So a band that is starting to get on those festival opening slots or supporting some big bands on like a national tour or something, they're the type of people that you can kind of trust their opinions rather than just your mate whose band is playing in their garage or at the local pub. Like you always kind of want to get the opinions of people that are doing what you want to do. That's just my little (laughs) add there. Exactly. But here's the other thing, too, is that you should also, I mean, you should try to develop your own critical ear and just kind of be like, okay, well, is my music as good as, um, you know, your band, The Last Martyr, because you've been featured at various different places, right? Or is my music as good as, uh, I don't know, um, 
I'm trying to think of a band off the top of my head, All Father, or, you know, other bands have been featured in these different places. And if you can't do that objectively, like you said, just ask someone and just kind of go from there, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, How much are bands looking at in terms of PR? Like, I obviously know it varies, and I know that you'll probably be quoting in American dollars, but, um, you know, I assume you know a couple of PR people in the market. How much should a band sort of budget for PR, and what's, like, a reasonable price to pay? It can depend because there's different different rates. Like, for example, I charge uh, $500 a month. Uh, That's in U.S. dollars, but... um, other people will charge like six hundred to seven hundred dollars, and uh, you, but it all depends, right? Because you can also get some good, decent PR for like two hundred dollars a month, depending, right? Right. But um, yeah, so I mean, it depends, right? So there, there are some de- decent PRs out there that are that are fairly inexpensive. Like the thing is, is that you don't want to go too high on your budget, right? So, like, if like if you if you really can't afford the um, if you really can't afford the $600 or sorry, $500 a month, then don't do it and go with this, with a smaller PR that's going to charge you 200 bucks. Yeah. But at the same time, you also don't want to go too. you also don't want to go too low because like, I know I'm kind of being evasive here and I'm really trying my best not to. Um, <laughs> let me, let me think if I can explain this in a proper manner. What I would do is I would look at the different PRs and I would look at their clients first and i would see if any of those if any of those um bands are kind of similar to to you or your or your size and then kind of go from there and then figure out the budget based on that because the thing is is like if you go to a high price pr for example like uh i had a band i worked with not too long ago um who went with a really high price pr and they got no results because they were just like the small fish in a big pond right yeah. But then they went with, but then they went with me, and I have a, quite a few clients. But the thing is, that I'm not repping like you know, uh, between the buried and me or whatever it was that they were. I don't think it was between the buried and me, but it was like a big band, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, this this PR was repping all of all of these big bands, and they got this little band that's a small fish in a big pond. And as a result, they weren't getting any results, but they were still paying the two k per month, right? And it wasn't because the PR was scamming them; it's just because they're used to hand handling big time clients. Right. Yeah. So, like, but then they went to me and then they're paying me $400 a month, which was like a quarter of what they were paying the other guy. But I got them into like, you know, metal uh, injection. I got them in metal hammer. I got them all these great results be- just because my focus is different than the, than those bigger places. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's it- like, the big ones don't always do a good job with the small guys is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because you've got to remember that, especially with the bigger PRs often, you know, as, as a smaller band, you're probably going to be, and I know this kind of sucks to hear because if you're paying money for something, you know, you expect to get a result. First off, PR companies can never guarantee anything in terms of like media coverage they really, really hard on establishing relationships with the media, which is why they're able to get results for their clients, but those results aren't guaranteed. So if you're say, I mean, hopefully you don't do this because a PR company would advise you when the best time to release is. Um, But if you're releasing music around the same time as say a major festival here in Australia, then that's going to be a bit tricky in terms of PR because the media are going to be publishing 
articles promoting the festival or the interviews will come out the week after the festival and the reviews and, and whatnot. And that kind of takes up the content. So, but I mean, that kind of went off track, but if a PR company has bigger clients who are potentially paying more or are just more, I guess, in demand by the media, that's naturally going to take up more of their time. So, um, that's here's here's another point that I just want to make sorry to interrupt you. The other thing too, is one thing I've noticed is I'll, and I'm not throwing shade at anyone here is that some of these bigger PRs actually do not know how to handle a small band. They yeah, don't. it's tricky. Because, well, the thing is, though, is that a lot of these, because with some of these bigger bands, all you got to do is just basically say, you know, Joe Blow is available for interviews and you got 50 people asking to cover them. Yeah. You know, but a smaller band, like if I did that with The Last Martyr, I might get like one or two people saying to me, yeah, but if, you know, Lindsay Schoolcraft says I want to do interviews, I got like 80 people right off the bat. Yeah, of course. So, a bigger PR doesn't necessarily like some of these guys that have been doing just these big bands for a while. They don't understand how to market a smaller band anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, you got to keep that in mind too, that it's kind of like they kind of lost touch at the same time. Yeah, definitely. Um, something that I think is important to talk about is that PR is not kind of something that you do and then sit back and (laughs) you don't have to do any work. I think it's really, really important for bands to still continue to be promoting and putting in the hard yards in terms of getting their music out there, even if they've hired someone like you to do PR. How? Yeah. We'll we'll always go through that. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, number one, (laughs) it's really hard for a PR company to get traction for you if you haven't already been trying to get traction for yourself prior to the campaign beginning but also during as well um how can a band kind of I guess use say a platform like Twitter to I guess uh, have a bigger impact with their PR campaign well here's a perfect example I'm going to give you you as an example and toot your horn for a second here please so just not even regarding to Twitter yet so just uh, Monica, for example, she's always promoting herself, um, but she always makes it known that she's part of the Last Martyr. One hundred percent of the time, you never make you're never shy about that. That's good that um, that comes across because I sometimes wonder about that whether that actually yeah comes across. It does come across one hundred percent. Like I mean, I first heard of you through Matt seeing your blog post going viral, obviously, but I also but it was also obvious that you're a part of a band. Mm. So as as a result of that, that uh, that made me check out the band and then you and I started to talk and then I started helping with the PR and stuff. And, but in between all of this stuff, you're always sitting there and you're always communicating. And you're letting people know how it goes. Right. So it's kind of like, how do I want to explain this? If you're always communicating and talking to people and putting yourself out there, it just helps the PR campaign. Yeah. Yeah, it's as simple as that, really. Because <laughs> it's just like, you know, you always want to make sure that you're communicating. Because if you're doing that, it just helps and it makes makes it like, you know, it makes it way easier for the PR campaign to go. Yeah. Like, there's just, you know, there, there's like really nothing else I can really say other than like, if you are just trying to do your best to make yourself visible, there's no way that you can really fail in the long run. You know what I mean? I assume so, when you say communicating, you mean being consistent on social media, networking, engaging, just kind of thing? everything, just everything. Cause like, here's the thing, right. Is like, 
I'm going to use you as an example again to toot your horn. So, and I'm going to use other people too in a second here, but just. Should I have you on my, I'm going to have you on my podcast every week. This is great. (laughs) So just, just to toot your horn again. Okay. So for example, you write for heavy. Well, you do the, so you do the social media for heavy. Yeah. You promote heavy. You talk about heavy. Um, you also have your name all across every social media platform, except for TikTok, which is <laughs> bad, but, um, you're basically, you know, you're always putting yourself out there. So it makes it so that way it's easier to be on the, to help with the PR, right? So I, so it's just kind of like, you always got to be doing all the same, all the stuff. Um, so yeah, so basically the main thing is that you just have to be putting yourself out there 100% of the time and every single avenue. And the more you do that, the easier it is to get press. It's just, it's just that simple. You know what I mean? So for using you again, as an example, it's just like you promote yourself on every avenue. And even when you're not promoting yourself, you're still promoting yourself because you're always consistently talking. Right. So I would just, my, my, the advice I have right there is just to make sure that you're always 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 making sure that you're always communicating with people and doing things to make yourself visible and that will assist with your pr materially when you do that right and if you don't do that then you're just looking at not being you're not going to be a success in any way shape or form because the thing one thing that i've learned is that i can't remember where i got this from i think it was grant cardone but he mentions that the more money goes to people and attention that gather attention right so if you keep doing that then you're going to end up getting sales yeah a squeaky wheel gets the grease <laughs> yeah, so i mean that that's, that's the thing is if you keep that up then you're going to eventually um you know get even more known right yeah and i know that may seem a little bit overwhelming because i wrote as a reviewer uh an interviewer for years, probably I've been writing for um, for media for about six or seven years or so, and then I transitioned over to being a senior staff member and doing interviews, all the major festivals, and managing the social media. I don't really manage the social media anymore. Um, oh, I thought you did. Oops. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay. Um, I did for for a good um, two solid years or so, but now I'm just focusing on my own business. But still, those connections are still serving me, and I, I still talk to my heavy mag boss. Um, regularly and whatnot but I know that may seem overwhelming but you don't have to do exactly that you can't or and write a blog and do a podcast and all the stuff that I'm doing but I do think that there's a lot of value in working in some way within the music industry to 100% network get your authority get people getting to know you on a personal level because this industry is honestly all about networking I think that um that definitely can't be overlooked I mean Gosh, I did like a music degree uh, when I was straight out of high school and that was three years. And some of the people that I was in class with or in the management class or whatnot, they're now working for labels and their managers and whatnot. So it was... Well, if you look at it, all all of your... Anything that you've gotten so far, like for press-wise or just for recognition for The Last Martyr has been as a result of your music industry connections as a not. Well, yeah, I mean, we did our first PR campaign ourselves because um, I was obviously already familiar with the, um, with the industry. Um, And then we hired a PR company here in Australia to do the EP. And then we um, hired you to do essentially the rest of the world. (laughs) For those who don't know, Curtis, I would have introduced you already in the introduction, but yeah, Curtis um, services like North America and Europe and the UK. So 
Yeah, I guess. Um, and I met you. Hire Monica for, for Australia is what she's saying. <laughs> no, I never wanted to do PR. I've been asked oh. so many times by bands, can you do our PR? And I created a PR course, as listeners will probably already know. But, um, yeah, I'm, it's not really my bag. <laughs> But if you but if but if you ever want to hire her for PR and she says yes, she'd probably do a fantastic job. Ah, uh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I I do think that bands can do their own PR. It's just you need to know what to do, and that's why I created the course, obviously. But yeah, it's um yeah, it's just really all about knowing exactly what to do, how to be professional, and setting aside the time mainly. Well, here's the here's the reason why I think people should both do your course and also buy, buy from me at some point. Like if they're really want to get PR done, a lot of people think it's simple and it is, but if you don't know what you're doing, you could fuck up really badly. Yeah. And like, you could fuck up not just this campaign, but future potential ex- as well. Exactly. Exactly. Now here's the thing is a lot of people just go like, well, I'll, I'll just send out an, my album to a few people, but they don't know how to make a press kit. They don't know how to get journalists, what journalists will click on. Like they'll send like wave files as an attachment, which every journalist hates. Um, or they'll just send like a stupid pitch letter or they, they don't know how to find the contacts of the uh, journalists. The correct person right. as well. Exactly. Because if you send, for example, like let's say if you send to, uh, I'm going to use Metal Injection. If you send to their contact at Metal Injection email, I think that's what it is. It's going to get buried. Yeah. You know, no, nobody's going to fucking see it. And if you try to find one of the writers to send it to, that that may or may not be the right writer. And it's also going to be really hard to find those people's contact email because the fact that they don't, most of them don't make their email public. So you can also hound those people on social media, but if they don't know you, they're probably not going to respond to you because they get hundreds of requests a day. Yeah. So, and another thing too is like, for example, like, um, like for example, a metalcore band trying to contact Decibel Magazine is going to get laughed at because Decibel Magazine generally does not cover metalcore. Yeah. But they'll be like all these metalcore, deathcore bands, um, you know, um, new metal bands or whatever. They try to contact Decibel, and Decibel's like, "What the fuck? We don't even cover this." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or you know, for example, Metal Hammer will get contacted by probably a bad example because they do cover black metal, but they'll get covered by a black, they'll, they'll have black metal bands trying to get them when in reality metal hammer is more the audience for the metal core band, melodic medical metal bands, alternative metal bands, that type of thing. Right. So if you don't know who to pitch and the other thing too, just before I forget is like a lot of places know the PR already. So they're familiar with them. So they're more inclined to open the email. Like if I pitch, um, on Monica's behalf, for example, to uh, Metal Sucks, I'm going to have a lot better chance than she is most likely because I've been dealing with them for years. And she ha- I don't think you have. If you have, correct me. If I'm wrong. <laughs> no, you I haven't. Have. Okay. Okay. So I'll probably have a better chance of getting her covered there than she would. Now, they're not necessarily going to say yes to me either, but they'll at least open my email and tell me nicely to fuck off. Where with a person that they don't know, they're not even going to reply or it's going to get lost in the spam folder or, you know, whatever. And I'm not saying they're going to tell you to fuck off, Monica. I'm just saying in general. <laughs> um, so, like, it's kind of like if if the, pers- if the ma- magazine editor and the magazine writers already know who the PR is, 
you've already got half the battle won because they're more inclined to open up the email and they're more inclined to check out check out the music. So like if I want to get a stream at a certain site, I'm going to have an 85% chance better um, better I'm going to have an 85% better chance than other people probably are that do not know these people to actually even get a response, let alone get it listened to. Because the thing is you have to realize is that there's hundreds to thousands of submissions per month. Like last year in September alone, there was something like, uh, I think it was 700 releases just in September yeah. alone last year. So if you got 700 releases and about, let's say that maybe 200 of them are on labels and labels get priority because they buy advertising, um, you know, and some places won't even re- review, review bands without a label. So right there, you know, all those guys are automatically at the top of the feed. Then the next spot, next feed is PRs, people that are represented by good PRs and then bad PRs. You kind of look look at it like you're, there's like a hierarchy either, almost. <laughs> yeah, a hierarchy. Well, it's almost like a lot of a lot of blogs and magazines kind of use it as almost like a, a filter, right? Yeah. So like if like if they know like for example, um, ear split PR is repping a band, they know that band is going to be of a certain level of quality. And they, they know that they've already been, there's been a process they've gone through to make sure that there's a quality level there. And then they're going to actually check it out. Now, they may not like the band and they may not cover the band, but at least they'll check it out because they know EarSplit PR has already listened to the band and checked them out. And they know mm-hmm. that EarSplit is not going to take a bad band. Same thing with me. Like, they may not like all the bands I send them, but they'll at least know that I think that they that a publication would like that band. So you kind of have to look at it from that viewpoint too. It's almost like a filtering process and no, it isn't pay to play. It's just that there's a lot of crap that gets sent. To yeah. Bands. Yeah. It's more like but an efficiency of time sort of thing rather than is. like, Oh, we're not going to give this, um, you know, this local band the time of day. It's actually not about that at all. It's about not at all. time and, and literally like tangibly dealing with the amount of emails that come in. And also something that was interesting um, uh, when you were speaking with, Oh gosh, who was it on your podcast? And he was saying that uh, something about advertising dollars. I mean, if he publishes an article on, I think it was Slipknot, that was the example. He knows that he's going to get readers to his website. Whereas if he publishes, you know, something on just a really, really small local band, then he's actually losing money because the traffic to the website is going to be lower. Yeah, I think that was Greg. That, yeah, Greg. That's one of the key. Th- that's one of the key things is that. Um, you have to realize is that it is driven by clicks. So again, like Monica said, so if Greg gets the chance to run Slipknot or Metallica versus someone they don't know, they're going to go with Metallica or Slipknot. Unless they get thoroughly persuaded by a PR, like, you know, Greg will will frequently run bands that are, are not known to give them a shot at metal injection. But at the same time, he also knows that if Dream Theater is putting out an album that day and he's got the choice between you and Dream Theater, he's got to pick Dream Theater. And it's not because he likes Dream Theater better necessarily. It's because that's what gets the site revenue so they can pay their staff and they can actually pay the bills and all the rest of that. And you can go, oh, greedy people and blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, is that they can't stay in business without the revenue coming yeah. in. Yeah. There's probably a lot of bands listening to this right now and being like, oh God, like what hope is there for us in that case? But I mean... <laughs> Well, there's hope. Well, yeah. here's a good example is today I had uh, Astaroth Incarnate at Decibel, right? And they're not a well-known band. I mean, they've had some reviews and 
some semi-known publications in the past with their previous PR, but, you know, Decibel Magazine had never covered them before. Mm-hmm. And I managed, like, I did, I have about five or six contacts at Decibel that I deal with. I don't just have one. That's another trick is to try to have more than one contact at a site. Um, so if one person turns you down, you can always go to someone else. But, you know, I went to, I went to one of my contacts there and I said, he was in the, he's normally into black metal. He's reviewed black metal in the past. And so I said, Hey, I got a symphonic black metal band. You want to check them out? Uh, and he got back to me. He said, yeah, I actually need someone for my column. I'll run the premiere for you in two weeks. And I was like, sounds good to me. So, but I mean, that was because I already had that contact. That person's contact is not, I think his Twitter is private, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure his Instagram is private. Um, and he, I think he even had, goes by a different name on his Facebook profile, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, you a band wouldn't necessarily know how to get in contact with them unless, you know, they had a PR. You know what I mean? So you got to yeah. keep that in mind, too. The other thing I want to say is PR is a long-term game. It's not a sort of quick or anything you need to run a PR campaign in my opinion for pretty much every release that you do and the first time that you run a PR campaign as was saying before PR companies can't guarantee results but you will do you will you know get some results obviously and even if you do the PR yourself yeah I mean you should yeah um even if you do the PR yourself as well you will get you know you will start getting traction and then what you can do is you can use those media quotes to then boost up the next PR campaign you do and it all kind of compounds onto each other. And that's how it's a long-term game as opposed to, you know, a lot of bands will just, they'll run a PR, they'll hire someone to do their PR and they may not see their Spotify streams go up dramatically or their video views go up dramatically. And they'll be like, Oh, it was a waste of time. Whereas first of all, as we were saying, it's a long-term game. Second of all, how there is no measurement for a change in perception. You can't, there's no way to really see how your perception of your band has changed. And also, yeah, go. Key point, Monica, just before to cut you off again. Sorry, I'm good at that. (laughs) Um, So here's one thing you got to also keep in mind, though, is that a lot of those bands that complain that they didn't get an increase in sales didn't follow up with sales actions. Mm. That's a key point. Yeah, Like you can do all the PR in the world, but if you don't, for example, have a pre-order link up, you don't make it available on Spotify and you don't actually try to pitch the album, like do the act sales actions like email to your list or buy ads or anything like that. The PR isn't necessarily necessarily going to uh, increase sales. Yeah. But if you have the sales actions in there as well, like you can be unstoppable, but you, but like you got to keep that in mind as well. Like, yeah, there's a perception change and that helps you dramatically and can increase the sales and it will eventually but if a band is smart they'll be following it up with sales actions posting into groups putting links uh, places doing ads putting stuff on reddit you know all sorts of things like that sorry to cut you off but I just wanted to say yeah well I actually wanted to say that as well is if you have a really good sort of marketing strategy to go along with the PR those two really go hand in hand so you know, you could be busting your ass trying to get, um, you know, bands in as, as many, you know, publications and on radio as possible. But if a band isn't, you know, promoting on social media or if a band only posts, say, you know, isn't sharing any of your articles on social media, it's kind of like fighting a losing battle in a way. So those two really have to go hand in hand. You're, you know, not only social media, there's other ways to market, obviously. But, yeah, I think 
at a minimum, you really need to be on top of your social media game, especially like right before and during a PR campaign is running. And if you and if you're not, it really makes it hard to do things. Because another example is, if I request a premiere for a band, like let's say band says to me, "Oh man, we really want to get a decibel, or we really want to get metal injection, or something like that." Now these two sites don't necessarily do this, but there are sites where it'll be like you request the stream, and the site will be like, "Sure, send me the numbers, their social media numbers." Yeah, and. If they're not posting and if their numbers suck, it's death. Even if the even if the publication liked the music, a lot of times that can kill it. Because I've actually had that happen where it's like the site goes and looks, band his band's album comes out next week, and they're not sharing any reviews, they don't do any social media, they don't share shit, they just don't do anything. Mm. And then they turn down the stream as a result of it. Yeah, and that I mean, just kills me. Just practically as well. Um, not only is, does it seem like, well, obviously the, the publication is going to look at their social media and be like, well, they don't look like they're putting in any effort, so why should we? But it also comes down to they still need to get clicks to the website because the website has advertising, and if their stats drop on the website, then that means they're going to get less advertising, and that's less revenue, and then they obviously won't be able to continue. So. If they see that a band's going to put in the effort, not only do they seem that they would be grateful for the opportunity and won't waste it, but it also goes down to the fact that it's a business at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, the other thing too is that I just want to point out is if you lock down a stream somewhere or your publicist does for a single, start promoting the crap out of it beforehand. Like Mm -hmm. really just do it. Um, I used to think that was a bad idea, but uh, like a year ago, I don't know why I thought it was a bad idea, but then I thought about it and it's like, well, why not promote your single drops in five days over at Decibel? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. you should. Like, really, why not? You should be doing countdowns for it. You know, as soon as it's confirmed, just start fucking talking it up. Yeah. And there's no reason not to if it's confirmed. I mean, there's always a chance that it could drop off for some reason. I have had major streams drop off at the last second due to whatever reason, but at the same time, you know, just keep promoting it. And let, let's say worst case scenario happens. And like, let's say you lined up a stream at metal sucks. And then the day of release, they're like, sorry, can't run it. Cause a new slipknot single dropped today. Well, okay. You can still drop it. And you've at least promoted the single in advance. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I guess, um, you know, that um, you can kind of deal with that stuff when it comes to it. And if you're, yeah. you're working with someone such as yourself, then that's something that you'll deal with as a team. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the thing. Like, even if even if something fucks up, you can. It's still better to promote something than not to promote something. You know. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I always encourage bands to do pre-save campaigns, at least to Spotify, to start getting traction. Because not only does that mean that as soon as the single drops, then it's more likely that people are going to listen to it. But those numbers then contribute to um, whether you get on playlists or not, and also. Yeah. If you're if if there's radio silence and then all of a sudden you announce on Facebook, oh, we have a new song or new video today, there's always the chance that people aren't going to see it. Whereas if you're kind of ramping up over a period of days or a week or so, then you've kind of given the time for people to see your posts because as we all know, only 2% of your audience sees your posts from your band's page which is, of course, why you need to share on your personal pages as well. But, yeah, it kind of gives everyone a chance to 
yeah, take note of, of the date that you're actually dropping it and then they'll be more engaged when it does come down to... But, 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 but what if people are sick of seeing all my posts, Monica? Oh, shit. <laughs> are you that, someone's going to ask that. Yeah. So, guys, you're going to have to stay tuned for the second half of this episode. Curtis and I... We basically spit fire for another 45 minutes or so, and I do try and keep my podcast episodes, you know, in bite-sized pieces so that it will take you maybe to work or home from work or to band practice or something like that. So I'm going to leave it here, but definitely stay tuned because there will be a part two to this episode where we really, really go into detail on networking. I'm not even joking, we break it down so simply and we also go into a lot of detail about how to tactfully ask to pick someone's brain. In the meantime, you can follow me on Instagram, it's just at Monica Strutt and you can follow Curtis at DoaPR77. So stay tuned because you're definitely not going to want to miss the second half of this episode and I will speak to you then. Bye!